Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We are continuing this series on worship because of our upcoming conference, Be Thou My Vision, September 17th and 18th at Valley Shepherd Church. All the details for our upcoming conference are at ReformationVoice.com, so please go there, and we'll jump right into it this morning. This is the, the kind of the fifth show on worship this morning, so Russ, why don't you take it? We're dealing with something this morning that, that might be a new phrase, new concept. Um, it's called the covenantal aspect of worship, and really the, the whole storyline of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about the unfolding of God's covenant with his people. This is from Danny Hyde, a pastor in California, and he writes, Scripture reveals that God is a sovereign, covenant-making God. When he created man, he created him in a covenant relationship with himself. After Adam broke that original covenant, God did not abandon what he had made, but came to the rescue in mercy and grace by making another covenant, what we call the covenant of grace. This covenant of grace, which began in principle in Genesis 3.15, continued with Noah, and with Abraham, and developed through the history of redemption until its climax in Jesus Christ. And so, if you, stepping outside of what Danny Hyde is saying is that really God's relationship with humanity is always through a covenant. Um, A simplistic way to talk about that is this formal agreement that God has with fallen humanity but ultimately it's it's through his son mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. it's it's the covenant of grace is what this triune god has pledged to do on behalf of god's people mm-hmm. because of the work of jesus christ and in the old testament we call that the old covenant and then in the New Testament, we call it the New Covenant. But the, the New Testament or the New Covenant has its, its origin in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. Jeremiah. So to think about it as two distinct things that are completely separate is not correct. It's this idea of the covenant of grace spans the entire storyline mm-hmm. of, of fallen people. And then... Hyde goes on to say, Covenant theology not only defines God's dealings with his people throughout history and unites together all the Bible as the unfolding account of God's one redemptive plan, but it also dictates our response to God. Because covenants are between two parties, the structure of covenant also informs our worship. Covenant worship is a dialogue between God and his people. This means that God speaks to us and then we respond to him. God says to us, I will be your God, and we respond, we will be your people. God calls us to worship, and we respond in song. God speaks to us in his law, we respond to him with confession of our sin. He speaks to us in absolving of our sins, and we respond in prayer. He speaks to us in the word and sacraments, and we respond with gifts of gratitude and doxology. 
This is the heart of what it means to worship in in a covenantal way. Mm. This is this is uh, what you've just read there from Danny Hyde is really what we refer to as dialogical worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in a dialogue with God. You know, we're not just actors on a stage, uh, you know, or the audiences aren't actors waiting, you know, for God to hear what we have to say to him. He's actually speaking to us in worship. And he actually has the first word in worship when he calls and gathers his people. And then we respond to him. And, and as you pointed out, we do that with through our prayers, our praises, the vows that we make, the offerings that we give, there's something taking place. And if if you're in a church, you know, if if your church has a bulletin or if you, you know, you ought to be able to look and see, you know, where God is actually speaking to you and where you are uh, voicing back something to God, whether, and it might not be you, it might be a representative of you saying something for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can hear the dialogue taking place where, you know, God presents his law, we confess our sins, that sort of thing. And real quick, I don't want to take any power away from that word covenant, but for maybe those of our non-Reformed brothers and sisters, maybe just use the word promise as a, as a loose synonym of the word covenant. So when we're saying that, that covenant is the whole framework of worship, what we're really saying is that promise, maybe one of the differences between covenant and promise is that a covenant is a sovereign bond that is sealed in blood. And that's precisely how we are coming to worship with God because Jesus' blood was slain. And the idea of, a, of renewal is that we, as, we get, as we gather as God's people, as we come back, these things are fresh to us. They're, they're refreshed in our, in our minds what God has accomplished for us. That brings us back as we were talking about, we come in reverence and awe before him that, the, there's a, there's a, you know, we we come with gratitude. You know those three things that we uh, talked about the other day from Hebrews chapter twelve. You mm-hmm. know, we come with gratitude, reverence, and awe, and it's because we are refreshing the imagination. And and this is one of the reasons why even uh, you know churches will celebrate the Lord's Supper on a regular basis because forgetting is a people thing to do. Yeah. We tend to forget. We we tend, you know, we forget what's past and we're looking forward to something else and by coming together and remembering the lord's death we're told we remember the lord's death till he comes that is a specific covenant renewal process yes. you know we're that we're engaged in but all worship is that same covenant renewal that's right and i think it's important to note that this covenant is between god and his people through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so every time we gather for worship, we are being called as God's people into worship. Um, that doesn't mean that every single person in the worship service is saved as a believer in Jesus Christ, but they have been set apart as the people of God. And so in the, in that way, God is entering into a conversation with a people that are have been separated out of of the world. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's important to note that because we we don't have seeker sensitive services. Mm-hmm. A church doesn't exist for evangelism to the those outside to unbelievers. Now, 
is one of the uh, the residual effects that there are unbelievers that are gathered that hear the gospel and come to saving faith. Yes, but the church, by definition, are those are called out ones, those that are separated from the world. They're God's people gathering in worship. So the whole design of worship is for the people of God. Yeah. And, and that's and, actually a huge point they, of debate yeah. because there's yes. two streams here. Yes, there are. There's a stream that says, oh, we should we should formulate our worship services so that, chief end, we attract people in the world. And then there's this other stream, which is what we're advocating for, that the chief end of, of the worship service is for the people of God to enter into worship with God himself. And God calls us into worship as his people. And that's why that opening call to worship is not just some sort of throwaway piece of, of worship, we're being called into, as God's people, into the presence of God. Well, what's the only response to that? Well, it's praise, because we know that the only reason why we can be God's people is because of the work of our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, on behalf of, a, of us, his people, that it's because of his work on Calvary's cross that we can even come into the presence of God. That's right. And so this call to worship is an acknowledgement of we have been called by the great triune God to worship, and we don't deserve to be. That has to result in praise. Yeah. That has to result in, in songs of absolute gratitude, thankfulness, and praise unto God for, for the opportunity to gather. Well, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the— the worship of the church exists for building up of those believers. Evangelism does in part take place because God doesn't let a word fall to the ground. It doesn't accomplish his purpose. In fact, we were talking about 1 Corinthians 14 a few days back and, uh, you know, about the confusion of worship and God being a, a God saying we ought to do things decently in order. But one of the results of that is it says in verse 24, if an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he's convicted by all and is called to account by all. He's called to account, to account by all that's taking place in that worship. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. Very often, sometimes you've been preaching and, and somebody says, you know, was that directed at me? And even an unbeliever, you know, you know, people have invited their their families, and they go home and they're talking about something, and the, the family member wants to know, did you say something about me being here before I came? No. His heart is disclosed, and it says, in falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So this covenant renewal actually is showing to people that you are in relationship with God. They recognize it. There's something spiritual that's taking place there, you know, and that can, and it also takes place, you know, maybe in individuals, you know, outside of that worship, outside of um, church. I, I can still remember, you know, a, a, a godly man that needed to be picked up by, by someone. Uh, he's coming in at, from out of town and uh, no one could get him. And so asked a neighbor if he would go and pick up this person. All he did was ride back from like the airport to and drop him off. And he never went back to his own job. He went home and he said, I've been in the presence of, of a godly individual. You know, there, that's what worship does because you're refreshing your understanding of what 
this covenant has meant. Yeah. And you that enters into your conversation, whether it's through the week or as we gather together on a Sunday, that presents to a watching world uh, the reality of who God is. Mm-hmm. And I think part of this idea of a covenant renewal or, or dialogical principle or however you want to talk about it is that worship isn't passive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is an ongoing conversation, dialogue between the God who is and his people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's always that interaction that's going on during the course of worship. And I think the tendency is to go to to worship on a Sunday morning and, and just plop down in the pew and say, okay, I'm here, do something for me. Yeah. Um, Impress me. <laughs> yeah, and the, and, and the idea ought to be I am coming to be fully engaged in yeah. the worship of God. Yeah. Um, something real is happening. Something that involves me is happening yeah. as part of the corporate body, and I want to be engaged in. So even in the congregational prayer, yeah. the pastor is not praying as an individual. He's praying as a voice for the entire congregation. Right. Yeah, and so that's why yeah. participation in singing, for example, is so yes. important because. Yeah. We're responding to God collectively in song, and to not respond is essentially to say, oh, "I'm just not going to." And that's why, and that's why Ephesians says, "Speak to one another mm-hmm. in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, mm-hmm. make melody in your heart." So yes, yes, what we do in corporate worship actually affects everybody, and we all get to enter into that dialogue in some way. That's right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Please go to ReformationBoise.com. You can find all the details about our upcoming conference, September 17th and 18th. It is two months earlier this year, so don't don't wait. This is only just a few days away, so uh, we hope to see you soon. Bye. 